0: Guys, thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I also want to thank the following sponsors for their support of this podcast. Without them, it, this podcast would not be possible. I want to thank the Go Hunt Insider, uh, Lorenzo Sartini and his crew over at Go Hunt. They have created the Insider, which is an amazing tool for you guys that are researching all these different Western states and looking for which units to apply for and put in for. Uh, they also have the Go Hunt maps, the Go Hunt gear shop. Uh, right now, go to gohunt.com, click sign up for the Insider, uh, use the J Scott promo code. You're going to get a fifty dollar Go Hunt gear shop gift card just for signing up. Go Hunt's been with me since the beginning of 2015 at, when I started this podcast. They've been a very loyal title sponsor of this podcast. and I want to thank them for their support make sure to go and sign up for the go hunt insider use the j scott promo code guys i also want to thank kuyu ultralight hunting that's dot u.com kuyu ultralight hunting is a direct consumer uh, brand that sells the best ultralight hunting equipment and gear on the market today uh, you can go to KUIU.com KU-U.com, and order directly there on their website. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Cheston, the guys over at Phonescope, go to Phonescope.com. Anything you order there, use the J. Scott 23 promo code and you're going to get a 10% discount there at Phonescope. I also want to thank Lathrop & Sons, their custom boot system and custom footbed manufacturer. Uh, These guys are the boot doctors, the boot gurus. Um, They're very, very helpful. They know a lot about boots. Uh, I have switched This season to the Lathrop & Sons Encompass Boot. Uh, That's what I've worn primarily on my coos deer and mule deer hunts in Mexico. And then I use the Mountain Hunter uh, for my sheep hunts, uh, specifically desert sheep. uh, In any of that uh, more technical terrain, Uh, Lathrop & Sons has a phenomenal 3D mapping imprints and and tracing kit. Uh, They make custom orthotics. Uh, just really, really comfortable, uh, very user-friendly boots and custom insoles. Uh, go to Lathropandsons.com to find out more information. You can also check out Lathrop Sons on Instagram. They have three custom boot options, the Mountain Hunter, the Mountain Hunter Elite, and the Mountain Hunter Encompass as well as the High Country Synergy Footbeds Custom. Uh, They also make all of these custom footbeds in wide and super wide, as well as the boots, which is rare for a boot manufacturer. Reach out to the owners, Stephen and James at Lathrop & Sons at 618-544-8782. That's LathropAndSons.com guys, I want to thank you for supporting this podcast. Love to hear your feedback. Uh, Any questions you might have, you can reach out at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. That's my email address. You can follow along on Instagram at jscottoutdoors. Always feel free to send me a direct message. Love hearing from you guys. And let's get right to these episodes. Welcome
1: to the J Scott Outdoors podcast. This is your guest host, Cliff Gray. Today, I have Justin Earhart of Premium Hunts on to discuss the New Mexico draw and hunt opportunities in New Mexico. Justin, give us a quick intro on your business and the hunting and guiding experience you have in New Mexico, and we'll go from there. I know you've been on the podcast at least one time before, so so go for it, man.
2: Hey, thanks Cliff. Yeah, we're just a, we're a smaller outfit. We're based right on the Arizona, New Mexico border. So we, uh, we try to hunt the best of both worlds between the two states.
1: Okay, good deal. So you do, you do some outfitting in Arizona also?
2: Yeah, we do. We're, we're right here on the line. So it makes it pretty easy for us to hit a little bit of both sides.
1: Ah, I gotcha. Good deal. Well, uh, I know the Arizona is—is is the Arizona draw completely? Is it done? The deadline's over, or is it, do you guys still have time
2: for elk and antelope? It closed on the fourteenth. Okay, gotcha.
1: And then what what else is left there?
2: Well, there'll still be deer and bighorn sheep, and you know maybe some buffalo and stuff, but that won't be usually till a little bit later in the
1: year, maybe around June. Sure, I got gotcha. you. Good deal. Well, that's good because then then we can just focus on new Mexico for the viewer for the listeners on this one, right? (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, on that, uh, Justin, what what are the, what are the deadlines and all of that for new Mexico, uh, that, that people need to be cognizant of for, for the draw there.
2: So the, the draw deadline for the big game species in new Mexico is going to be March 22nd at 5. PM mountain daylight time.
1: Good deal. So, um, Let's just jump, jump into, uh, you know, your thoughts on the New Mexico draw, Justin, you know, what, I guess if you were a non-resident to New Mexico and you were looking at it as a state to put in, you know, what are the different options that, that you think people should consider?
2: You know, New Mexico for a non-resident, it's definitely, you know, a state that you want to be applying in. Um, there's no point system in New Mexico, so you don't gain bonus points, So, you know, if you miss a year, you're not ever going to fall behind. And if you're just starting to apply, you know, you're not coming in 20 years behind somebody else. So it's really a a state that guys really need to be applying in.
1: Sure. And that's that seems to be becoming more and more relevant. The more I look at my own personal draw and, and talk to other folks that are focused on other states, I mean, this whole, you know, point creep and just this mass accumulation of points by folks, If you're just starting, there's not a whole lot of great places to really, you know, start applying for. And obviously, New Mexico fits that mold because everybody's in the same boat, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, nobody likes a point game unless you're sitting on, you know, 20 plus points. And, you know, those people don't even like it until the year they draw. So, yeah it's a good state to apply in just for that reason. I mean, you potentially have the same chance as everybody else every year. So it's a a great state to apply in.
1: Yeah, I gotcha. And and when you say that, uh, Justin, like what, what are the species, I mean, should people be applying to all the species? Like where, where do you view is like the, I guess like the, the opportunities there that are, that maybe not everybody thinks about or, or, you know, they, that they should focus on all of them or, or, should they kind of pick and choose?
2: You know, it really depends on each individual, but, and I, I apply for everything over there. So, you know, once, once I enter my application, I'm going in for all species and it, the only thing about New Mexico is they do charge you the full amount up front. So, you know, yeah. for somebody to put in for all species as a non-resident, you're looking probably north of 10 grand.
1: Yeah. That's going to be tied up. Right
2: yep and they keep it tied up for about a month. I think they're uh supposed to release the results somewhere around april twenty sixth so they'll have your money for a month at least if you wait till the deadline day to apply
1: yeah, and that uh that also means you gotta you gotta forewarn your forewarn your wife or husband or whoever about the credit card bill that's gonna come come running through i always always noticed that it's it's like i, I always got to tell my wife like look just it's just temporary and then if i draw a text <laughs> it's not temporary and that's that's okay by the by then she'll have forgot about it anyways but uh <laughs> yeah you either warn them or hide it that's for sure <laughs> yeah but it is but it, you know it, it's relevant man because it's a lot of money to just post up you know what i mean um and it's oh, i yeah. think I think New Mexico, is, isn't is it, I think it's the last state, Justin, that does that, that makes you post it all up, unless I'm wrong.
2: You know, I'm not, I'm not familiar with all the states, but it, it sure seems like out of all the states that I apply in, that's, that's about the only one that's taken the money up front, you know?
1: Yeah, and I feel, like, I feel like five or six years ago, that was a lot more common, you know what I mean? That was kind of the, kind of the deal, but uh, some of that's, that's gone away. But anyways, man, let's, yeah. uh, like what, what, what part of the state do you, do you, do you mostly hunt in and guide in? And I guess give your, give your perspective on that and you can go as broad or as detailed as, as you want, Justin, it, it, I think it'd just be interesting for, for the listeners. I think sometimes when we just put in for these draws, you know, year over year and, uh, very much, I do this myself, but I think most people do this. We kind of just we just put in for the same units that we did the last year. So is there anything, you know, that's happening on the elk front or deer front or even in these exotic species that, that people should, people should think about whenever they look at their New Mexico draw?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're comparing it to, you know, years in the past, there's definitely been some changes between each species. Um, definitely one of the main changes in the state this year that, I'm sure most people have heard about is uh, on the muzzleloader hunts. Any uh, a new rule they implemented is there's iron sights only on any muzzleloader season. So that's going to have a big impact on, you know, people who apply there don't apply there for certain muzzleloader hunts.
1: What do you think is going to happen, man? Do you think do you think that the the odds would be better because a bunch of guys will drop out or what What do you what do you think will actually occur on that front
2: uh you know i've i've kind of kicked it around multiple ways i mean i think for the first year or so it's probably not going to have much effect on you know drawing odds or anything like that but um i think you know after maybe a year or two of guys trying it out and stuff with the open sites that it's probably going to start to get a little easier to draw for some of those units. But, you know, I you know, you're basically cutting your effective range down to 200 yards max with the iron sight. Right? And it's and, and that that's for elk, you know. I mean, even on, you know, muzzleloader twos deer tag now, I mean, you're you better be within bow range because everybody knows how small they are.
1: Right. You it's crazy to hear you say that. So I've so, you know, my background guiding and outfitting in Colorado, Justin, it, it's always been open sight muzzle loaders. And, uh, what you just said, like, yeah, like in, in my mind, like, you know, there's, you know, there's, a, there's so much technology that goes into them, but that limitation with the optic is for sure going to keep you under 200 yards for elk, but, uh, just fill me in, man. Cause I'm naive. What, what, what would you, before this rule with a muzzleloader, you could have whatever optic you, you wanted on it. What, what would you consider like effective range? Like how far were people, were people killing elk with these, with these guns?
2: I mean, we've, we've killed a handful north of 500 yards with the muzzleloaders, you know, before they took the scopes away from us. So basically they were, you know, pretty much a single shot rifle, and you definitely had some more uh, math to do and everything to calculate the drop and whatnot. Cause they were dropping at a more rapid pace, but they, they were, they were very effective at killing, you know, 500 yards, even further. Um, and that's, that's not even going to be an option now with iron sights. I mean, you'd just be wasting less.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a massive, it, it's, it, and it, and it's crazy, man. Cause I've, Fairly naive to it because, like I said, I've always been exposed to them without optics on them. But that all makes sense. I mean, so you're talking, you know, they're they're much before this rule. It was much closer to rifle hunting. Now it's much closer to archery hunting. Is really from a effective, you know, distance and yeah, yeah,
2: yep, definitely. I mean, we
1: were running, you know,
2: big scopes with turrets on our muzzle loaders So you know, if you did your homework with gun and your optics, I mean, you were you were shooting half-minute groups with some of the better muzzle muzzleloaders at you know five hundred yards, which is incredible.
1: Yeah, sure, pretty crazy. No, that's uh, that's interesting. So that's that's one change. Is there any? Do you have any? And you could this could totally just be a, an opinion question, um, Justin. But are there any dynamics on the on the on the game population front on any of these species that that people should should think about when they're applying?
2: Uh, what do you mean, by by that like
1: well there are there certain parts of the state where the elk aren't doing as well is there are there any population dynamics with these with these uh uh you know the ibex or the audet or the oryx that people should consider um do you have any thoughts on that
2: yeah i mean there's definitely you know you're going to see better units in portions of the state and then you know obviously some units that aren't going to be holding near as many elk but you know they're obviously the less de- desirable units to hunt right you you will see some change throughout the state for sure
1: yeah i gotcha. have you seen much much change you, do you primarily hunt uh hunt and guide for elk justin or what species are you focused on
2: we we do a lot of species in new mexico you know every year we're subject to the draw like everybody else so some years we may not get to hunt something but It's, uh, there's just a lot of species over there to hunt. I mean, you got bighorn sheep, deer, oryx, ibex, barbary sheep, you know, elk, antelope. Just There's tons of opportunities for hunting if people are willing to throw their name in the hat.
1: Right. And, and can you, uh, give us a little insight on the, the guided pool and the non-guided pool in terms of the draw in New Mexico?
2: Yep. So, in New Mexico, they divide their tags. Um, A minimum of 84% has to go to the resident. So, in New Mexico, they give you an 84-6-10 split. So, 84% at least to the resident. Um, Up to 10% of the tags can be gifted to the guided pool or outfitter pool which is somebody who's contracted with an outfitter and signed contracts p- prior to applying. And then they also offer up to 6% for non-resident, you know, not in the outfitted pool, just DIY guys.
1: Gotcha. So, so what does that look like uh, in the draw? Does it make it like, do you see big differentials between putting in for the guided uh, option versus the do it yourself or what does that what does that usually look like
2: you know there's not huge huge benefits but there's definitely benefits worth taking advantage of if you're uh if you're one of those guys that's going to go on a guided hunt anyways i mean you you definitely want to be in the guided pool or even if you know you're you're on the fence um, you know basically to sign into that outfitted pool though you you're supposed to have contracts signed with an outfitter prior to applying and you have to be with that outfitter or a registered guide with that company for a minimum of 48 hours.
1: Yeah. During the hunt. I gotcha.
2: Yeah. Um, uh-huh.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, from your perspective, how, how does that work? Do people reach out to you before the draw and then, and then, you know, talk to you about whatever options and you'd probably give them some some tips or whatever on what they, what they might want to apply for. And then, and then they put into the draw with, with your number or whatever.
2: Yeah, definitely. We usually go over the hunts and, you know, season dates and, you know, unit quality and prices. And if it's something that they want to do, then, you know, we can sign the contracts and they get in on it.
1: Gotcha. So, uh, you know, one 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 opportunity that intrigues me quite a bit in in new mexico and just tell me justin if you have a lot of ex- experience or or not on it and just your your insights on it is the odd ad um are you familiar with like the do-it-yourself options there on the odd ad uh, or even the private land stuff
2: you know we don't do any private land odd ad um you know we do a lot of the public season hunts and you know certain units um, obviously there's some that are better than the others um we generally like to stay in units 29 and 30 um they're, they've been pretty good hunts great hunts in the past we've killed some great rams but this year they did throw in a lot more tags and season dates so i expect quality to kind of hold for about a year and it's going to start tapering off
1: right and those um Man, and I'm not not looking at it, Justin, maybe you know the rough odds on them, but like those type of units, if a guy's putting in for the, and and Audit has the same deal, right? They have do-it-yourself or guided pool pool, when you put in.
2: Yep. Basically, they do that with pretty much every species, but you have to be careful what hunt you're applying for because if you're a DIY guy and you're applying for, say, an antelope hunt or something that's got you know, 10 tags only or five, six tags, then you don't even have a chance at trying. It's got to be something that's probably north of 10 tags available before you would even have a chance in the non-guided, non-resident pool.
1: Okay, I got you. So back on the Odd Dad, if somebody wants to go, you know, they want to go hunting with you in, in one of those those uh, public land units there, what would you say, 29 and 30? What... Yep. What kind of what kind of odds are they looking at roughly?
2: At draws? Yeah. Uh I'm not sure about the draw odds. I mean they're uh they're getting more and more popular so they're definitely the last 5 years have been getting harder and harder to draw. Um this year I imagine might up the odds a little bit with all the new tags they're issuing but you know they're better than say better odds than say elk or something but they're sure. they're still not easy
1: yeah i got you well what are the hunts like man are they pretty in the spectrum of you know uh you know difficulty and you know density of animals maybe the quality of rams that you guys end up harvesting what, what does that look like justin
2: and they're they're fun hunts i i really enjoy them i mean it's a uh, a spot and stock type hunt, you know, you spend a lot of time in the glass. Um you can be out of the truck hiking and beating out canyons all day long if you want. You know, so difficulty, you can you can definitely choose the difficulty that you want for the hunt. I mean there's sheep in mild terrain, there's sheep in the most rugged terrain there is. So, you know, as far as difficulty you can kinda pick and choose where you want to be to cater to that
1: right what what like what's uh, the upper end of the quality of rams that are killed on the on the in on the public land new mexico
2: you know anymore on average i would say your average ram that's being killed is probably like a 26 inch ram maybe yeah um, we we try to go for you know that twenty eight and up range um we've killed them as high as thirty three in new mexico, so there's there's some great rams I mean you obviously gotta like any species when you're hunting that top end you gotta weed through the little ones to find a great one
1: yeah i i uh so i've I've hunted them quite a bit, but all in Texas, you know all the free range stuff but right. but still in in texas and I actually one season of uh guiding them. I had a bunch of them aged and because I was curious of like what, you know, how old these big rams are. And, and I'm kind of, I had them aged through a, through a lab that does, you know, probably the most well-known lab in the U S to age animals, but I'm still wary of the, uh, um, you know, the accuracy of it. But uh, right. how, how, what are, what are your thoughts on that, man? These rams that are, you know, 20, 29 inch, 30 inch rams, you know, and bigger, how, how old do you think they are, Justin?
2: Uh, each one's different, but, you know, I'm thinking anywhere from that six to eight range.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you say that. So, so when I aged a bunch of really big ramps, like everything was between 28 and, and 33 inches, they were, right. they were, in, they were like in that range and in a, in a couple of them were actually younger than that. And, uh, I just found that interesting cause I've, I've heard, I've heard a lot of, you know, a lot of people will tell me, Oh man, those 32 inch rams, they're, you know, they're 10, 12, 13, 14 years old. And I always kind of question that because I would see, you know, I've been around bighorns too. Not, they're obviously a much different species, but I would see in Audad, you know, sometimes some of these free range, you know, areas in Texas, you you'll see, you know, they haven't been hunted that much. So you'll see like 15, 30 inch rams together. You know what I mean? Um yeah. So it's it would always crazy. like yeah crazy you know and, and it crossed my mind like it's just weird from a population dynamic for for you know a bunch of you know for all these rams to get like 12 years old or whatever so I, it's just it's just interesting to me it it's funny you say that cuz i think i think you're real close man i think these big rams are are what you're saying like between 5 and 8 you know
2: um yeah. you know obviously be, be able to tell on those super old rams you know they'll have that big blockhead. They'll have mass all the way out to the end. I mean, that's probably when you're getting more around that 10 plus range, but, um, you know, as far as New Mexico goes, there's very few sheep that are making it
1: to 10. Yeah. And that's just, and that's just hunting pressure related. You think Justin?
2: Yeah. I mean, year after year, you know, they're, they're putting out quite a few tags and, and, you know, it's definitely gone down in sheep numbers the past five years, I would say, but it's still been really good hunting
1: and they're they're either sex tags they are yeah um you know i have a random question for you because you've spent some time in them in a different geography than i've dealt with them have you ever have you ever seen like a a lion kill or anything that was an odd ad
2: you know i never i never have
1: uh
2: one of my guys you know a few years ago glassed up a lion when we were hunting him but never have found a kill.
1: Yeah. I just, I always wonder, cause I, I wonder, and you know, I, you know, even in that, you know, in Texas where they're in like the big band area and stuff, I kind of wonder if if the predators that are there just don't leave them alone, you know, and they just focus on other species. Cause I've never, I've never seen, I've never seen where one was killed by a, you know, by a natural predator, which is kind of, it's kind of interesting, at least from my dorky perspective. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I I I don't know. I've never ran into any lion kills or anything like that. I'm sure there is some predators that are taking them time to time, but
1: sure. Yeah, no, I I hear you. So I I mean, and like you said, the popularity of oddad is getting is getting you know more and more popular. So that's probably one of those hunts that people should, if they want to hunt one, because they're getting pretty expensive now too in Texas, right?
2: Oh yeah, Texas prices are sky high in a lot of the more popular areas.
1: Right. Do you, uh, do you have any experience with, with the Ibex or Oryx in New Mexico?
2: Yeah. yeah. We hunt. We actually just got off of a hunt a few days ago over for Oryx on the White Sands Missile
1: Range. Okay, cool. Do you, give, give me the, um, do, do you know, do you, give the listeners kind of the perspective on draws there, how it works and where they're hunting and, and what those hunts kind of look like i i actually drew in for context i i drew one last year um and it was on the uh experimental range and it was a freaking blast uh I, I put in for new mexico uh really for the for the elk opportunities you know uh yeah. justin so i never really thought about oryx but now that i've gone on a hunt i was like oh man this is awesome so but anyways man yeah uh fill fill the listeners in on, on what those hunts look like and and all that good stuff
2: So they, they offer, you know, a few different options throughout the state. Um, obviously the most popular ones are the once in a lifetime hunt on the white sands missile range. Um, within that range, they offer a few different areas, you know, the more popular ones and the better ones are going to be the Rhodes Canyon range and the stallion range. Um, both really good, you know, good quality in both, you know, good numbers in both, um, They're the more sought after ones for sure, but then they also offer, you know, off range hunts, which are basically anywhere off range, off of the missile range, you know, statewide. And, uh, those are, those hunts have even become more popular as well. They're getting to be pretty hard to draw really.
1: And, and are those broke down, I'm so naive to this dude. Um, but hopefully it'll, it'll help other people who are listening. Are those off range tags, are they broken out into units or are they just like general off range tags?
2: Nope. It's just everything off the missile range. So, um, generally, you know, most people are going to be somewhat relatively near the missile range itself, you know, whether it's, you know, a mile out or 20 miles out, but you get too far away, you're your odds of seeing an oryx are just slim to none
1: right and if if someone but. puts in if somebody puts in for that off-range tag should they should they have the perspective that they're gonna they're gonna be able to hunt on public land or is it or is that unrealistic they really need to consider that they're going to need to work out some you know deal with an outfitter or, or private land or something like that
2: No, there's, there's public land to hunt. I mean, when we hunt off range, we're hunting public land only. So it's, you know, it's a still a pretty decent hunt. I mean, but you never know, you know, it can, you can go a day without seeing any oryx for sure, but you know, it's, there's usually really good opportunity. You know, we're probably a hundred percent on those hunts, but they're not easy hunts. You know, you have to take the slow days with the good days too.
1: Yeah. No, I, I hear it. And man, they're my very limited experience hunting them. One thing, they're, they're crazy, beautiful animal. I I wasn't really expecting that, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, they're, they're just cool. But I was amazed the ones that we hunted, like, it appears to me that they, they never drink water. I mean, what's, I mean, are they, when you, I'm not, I don't know that that's the case, but it seemed like the way they're living. I'm like, man, these things are like, you know, they're, they've got to be like five, 10 miles from water, Of you know, most of their existence and some of the spots we are hunting them. Um, when you're hunting them on public land, like, what do you, what are you looking for? Do you just have historical spots? Are they sensitive to water? And I'm just naive to that. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: You know, they, you will, you won't catch them at water very often. That's for sure. Um, the hunt we just finished over there, uh, the white sands missile range was actually, They gave us a little packet because, you know, there was uh, some university or something that was doing a study on the effects the water has with the Oryx and so on and so forth. And they actually, you know, we had to take blood samples out of the Oryx that we harvested and just, you know, they're going to do a study on it to see exactly how long they can go without water and stuff. But I I can honestly say you're not going to catch them at water very often so we we generally target on the off-range hunts you know there's spots that have been good to us year after year so those are the spots we're going to get up high and spend some time in the glass or just cover ground if it's the flatter portion
1: yeah yeah no i got you um and i'm sure there's just like vegetation or something that keeps them in in historical locations um you, you touched on, you touched on something there, man, that I think I know that I was naive to, and that's that, uh, you know, depending on the tags, you're either, you're, you're either going to be, you know, given some guidance on where you're at on these, you know, when you're on, when you're on, on the on range, uh, hunts, uh, or they're going to have a chaperone with you. What is it? What does that look like in, in your experience? Uh, Justin, my, my take on it was, is, uh, I had, so when I drew a tag on the experimental range there, um, uh, it's the or what is it? Horonada? Does that sound familiar? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was there, uh, you know, they, I had a, that, you know, they call them chaperones, uh, with you, um, you know, and there's, right. you know, there's uh, they, you know, they say there's unexploded ordnance and stuff. I mean, it makes sense. Right. And you got to kind of know where you're going and, and all of that. And, um, before I went on the hunt, I was like, huh, I wonder how that's going to look like, like who is like, I had this perception that they were going to send me out with like a guy on like with a like a lab coat and like was going to be like an uber nerd or something like that. <laughs> and it was gonna be kind of weird or that sort of thing. That was like this this what I was daydreaming about. And it totally wasn't like that. Like the guy they sent me with was awesome. He loved hunting. We had a good time. So but uh, tell me your experience on that, what people should should expect.
2: Oh, i have nev—I've never done any of the hunting on the area. Oh, okay, you so you have, haven't been but,
1: exposed to it. Okay,
2: but as far as like the Rose Canyon Range and the Stallion Range, um, they don't necessarily send somebody with you. Okay, um, they're three—they're three-day hunts, and that first day you spend about the first half of that first day in a big meeting where they go over all the do's and don'ts of the range itself and any new closures there might be, of course, all the same closures, there always are. And like you said, most of those closures are because there's some type of, you know, unexploded ordinance in the area. Um, You definitely have to pay attention at these meetings because they will tell you real quickly, you know, the areas you can and can't go into and, basically all the rules and if you screw up you're off the range and you're not coming back your hunt's over
1: right sure which which is reasonable right there you know it's it's there in, in a way it's nice that the opportunity there so you know following some rules makes makes sense
2: it's uh it's been great i mean we've been hunting the oryx on the range for years and years and years and you know i'm happy that you know nobody has screwed it up for You know the future generations yet, so hopefully everybody continues to do it right.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are they? Are do you have you noticed on the off range hunts that more more of them are coming off of the off of the range? Are they dispersing? You think, Justin, or are they? Is it kind of pretty much status quo? You know, about I don't
2: know, probably eight years ago or so. There was there was quite a few more off range, but since they've gained in popularity and they are you know obviously getting more exposure throughout the hunting industry they're uh, you know they're not easy to find off range but we we have good success on it
0: yeah
1: you know, it's nice that uh it's like it's nice that New Mexico I guess in a sense they still view them as very much like a game species off range um you know like in Texas if it's an exotic and it's on your place. You can shoot it whenever and whatever, you know what I mean? It's, it's basically, you know, open season on them. It's nice that New Mexico hasn't taken that tact on these, on these exotics. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I, I love that there's actually the exotics available to hunt throughout the state. I mean, it's, you know, these animals are pretty much living in areas where there's not much else. Living in the area itself, so um, definitely opens up a lot more opportunities.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I hear you. Um, what haven't we covered, man? You you don't do any, uh, or I'm, you might have some knowledge of it, uh, and somebody brought it up to me. Have you ever done javelina hunts in New Mexico?
2: No, we don't do any
1: javelina over there. <laughs> I could I could tell no, you responded. I could tell you responded. You're like, why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> That's about like when Jay asks me about turkey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he sh- I think he, sh- he shares your opinion on javelinas, though, man. He's not a big javelina guy. Uh, they intrigue me because just in my, you know, in, in all, all my hunting experience, I haven't been around them. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, a, right. a, new, a new little animal. Um, you know, all the area, and I had some, some questions about this, uh, all the area that you've spent time in, uh, Justin, it's fairly far from the border. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple border units that, so are you, which border are you talking, Arizona or Mexico? No, the
1: the the Mexico border.
2: Yeah. So there's, there's really only a few units that are going to be down there. Um, you know, we've definitely spent time in all of them, but you know, some of them are getting pretty overrun with, you know, illegal activity border crossings and stuff and they're just they're not super
1: yeah what's the uh you know give us the the quick rundown on that like the realistic view of that because it's i guess in my mind if i was a if i was applying for a unit down there going on a hunt down there it i don't know that i would be you know like it would deter me from putting in for a hunt that that i had some information on that was good or was going to be a cool experience but you know with what with what you see going on, it would for sure cross my mind. Like, Hmm, I should probably know like the inside scoop and, and how to be cautious and, you know, what's, what's important to consider. So, so give us that, Justin, if you can.
2: Man, honestly, it's just, you never know what you're going to run into down there. I mean, you know, there's times we've packed in and and camped out and you wake up and there's new sets of footprints, you know, sure, 50 to a hundred yards from your tent. So, kinda uneasy feeling, but you know, most of those people are trying to get out of there undetected just like you know the deer are and everything else. So we just try to stay away from any of the activity the best we can and we we haven't had any issues but we've definitely had some run ins, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically just be cognizant of your of your surroundings and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um Justin, are there any uh, are there any hunts that that like I mean, are there any hunts out there that that it, when somebody calls you and they, you know, they're going to put in for, you know, elk, mule deer, one of these exotics in in New Mexico that you just look forward to guiding? Um like what's what's your favorite hunt to to guide there?
2: Oh, for every species, you know, we we have definitely our favorite hunts for sure. Um Obviously, they're going to be the more better hunts for numbers and quality um, elk. You know, I really, really like the sixteen A and D. That's Alpha and Delta. Those are probably my top two elk units.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, and mule deer hunting. Uh, I've heard mixed things. Is it? Is it? Are are there opportunities for big deer there, or, or how should people view that?
2: honestly the the mule deer in new mexico man it's it's struggling pretty much across the board i mean yeah you can can get lucky and dig up a big one in you know a handful of units throughout the state for sure but just overall the numbers and quality has just been on a downward spiral for years
1: yeah no i got you yeah and i've and i've kind of i've kind of heard that um Good deal man. Well hey uh thanks for your time uh Justin let let the listeners know, you know, where they can where they can contact contact you, maybe follow you on social media if they were to draw one of these tags or if they, you know, they want to put in for that that guided pool in the draw how they could get a hold of you.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah guys, you can reach me at 928-245-8722 or you can look us up You know, on social media, shoot me an email at info at premiumhunts.com. We can talk about all the hunts and opportunities there are in New Mexico. I mean, there's great youth hunts available, um, you know, mobility impaired hunts available. There's, There's good quality to be had in New Mexico, especially on a moisture year like we're having.
1: Sure. Hey, you know, touch on the youth stuff real quick, Justin. Like what, 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 what in particular are the ones that people should think about?
2: Man, there's, there's some great youth hunts for uh, pretty much all the species. Um, They give the youth some of the best dates there are for elk. I mean, you're talking, you know, the youth hunts this year, I believe are, are kicking off October 7th. So, and so are the mobility impaired. So those are, you know, basically your first firearm season after the bow hunt so they're uh they're great great hunts for elk for the youth
1: and in new mexico there's, there's they're actually separate they're separate season dates
2: yeah correct so most of the youth hunts you know there's not a ton of tags but you know there's i'd say 25 tags basically in each hunt And there's you know probably six seven eight units that have youth hunts for for either sex elk and with that october 7 time frame you're you're getting some red action still. I mean, you know, sure. you can pick up some good bulls still with cows.
1: No, that's, that's, uh, that, uh, that's good to know.
2: Yeah, there's youth opportunities for basically every species. So, you know, if anybody wanting to get some kids in the draw, thanks for giving me a holler.
1: Cool. Good deal, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. If you want to keep in touch with me, get on my website at pursuitwithcliff.com and sign up for the newsletter. Check out my YouTube channel. It's just under my name, Cliff Gray. And you can follow me on Instagram at cliffgry. Thanks for listening.